Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Aaron Shelley, author, entrepreneur, engineer, and MBA. And welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you, AJ. Excited to be here. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to India. Welcome to a lot of places that this show is going on right now and will be heard and seen later on. So let me start. We'll be talking about the secret business principles to creating wealth and happiness. You are the master for today. People want to learn. They want to have everything. Happiness, wealth, and whatever. If there is anything more, they would want to achieve that. Maybe self-actualization. But first, to start with you, Aaron, is that you talk about looking at business and family quite similarly. General principle is that don't bring work home. I need to have a work-life balance. I need to, you know, no, uh, you can't have two things. And there is a whole, you know, concept out there, which is the prevalent concept. You talk about, you, about that families act very similar to small businesses. How would you like to explain your concept to people? Because here it lies in the wealth and success and happiness that they want to achieve. Does your principle work for them? Tell us about this. Several things at the same time, but they are all so related. You are the master. You will be able to help them. Have your time. Take, take them one by one at your own pace. All right. All right. So when I talk about the business and family being the same, what I'm looking at is all businesses are trying to survive, right? They're trying to make money. If a business doesn't make money, it has to go bankrupt. The same applies to a family. If it doesn't know how to make money, it's not going to exist in our society, right? So you have to have this business model, which is how am I going to survive in society? How am I going to thrive? And if you look at like Google, for instance, they have a specific strategy. That is, we're going to organize the world's data, right? That's their strategy. Walmart has a different strategy. Their purpose um, is more to bring people cheap cheap things to help them live better. Different strategies. Then each family or any each business also has a culture. Google's culture is very liberal, right? You can come in, do your best work when you when you want to. Walmart's culture is very different. You need to conform. You need to be there at the right time. Things need to be there. And then there's finally the structure. You know, what is the structure of the business? Is it um, very top down? Is it very... Um, is it the same at the top? You know, everyone's kind of egalitarian. We all work together. A lot of companies do that. So you kind of have these this business model, and that's really what determines what the business is going to do. If it has resources, if it has money, if it has relationships, if it has um, <clears throat> different skills, how are those going to be utilized? That's all determined by the business model. Does that make sense to you, AJ? Yes. Yes, it makes sense to me. But can you break this down for the audience, Aaron? Because they need to understand where to start from. How do they? Because in this world, there are different countries and many, many cultures. And uh -huh. in every culture, family, almost every culture, family comes first. Uh -huh. But the way they look at family, the composition of family, that might differ and differ. In India, family is 
everything. You want to stay with your parents. You want to live in the extended family. It is not possible. Things are changing, but the mindset is there. How do you tell them? Even in the Western world, they say, don't bring work home. My work is over by 5 p.m. Don't come. Countries are like asking that. Listen, managers cannot even email them after beyond certain hours in Europe. So how do you tell them to look at families from a business lens? What is the why is it? Because you love your family. You saw how your friends who started along with you stayed in the neighborhood. They ended up having different successes, different lives. And that is when you started looking at things so minutely. Help us understand what helped you get into this whole structure of things to get to this understand so that, that no start. How do you start with this concept so that their lives and families, they become much, much better, healthier, wealthier for them? Yep. Yeah. Well, so to your point, in the start of my book, I talk about how I had a friend, we went to the same church, we had the same, we went to the same high school, we all had about the same amount of money, we lived close together, right? All of these things looked exactly the same. And a lot of books, they talk about how socioeconomics, you know, if you're richer, you have a different life, you're poor. What this guy was in, we were in the same place at the same time. I played football with this guy. And then about five, like seven years ago now, this guy, my mom sent me an article and said that this guy had been sentenced to prison, life in prison for rape and attempted murder. And I thought, this isn't the same story. There wasn't this, hey, he was from a poor neighborhood or he had this different thing. So what was it in his, in my mind, his business model that actually caused him to go that direction? You know, and so you start to look at what was the culture in my family and the culture in our family. My dad was a... um my dad was a professor at a university. So the culture at our, our house was you had to learn a lot. We really valued books. We valued uh, all the things about hard work, discipline, delayed gratification. That was really the culture of my family because you have to do that if you're going to be, uh, you know, kind of in this white collar career, as I call it. It's a, white, it's a strategy. Now, his family, he was more of a sales guy. So it was more about relationships. But then there were places where he got relationships with bad people. And that's kind of this idea where I, the book is called The Family Flywheel, because when you get involved with bad people, you start to, those, those people kind of pull you into making more bad decisions. And then you get involved with more bad people. And then you kind of, it's this cyclical thing, if you know uh, the work from Good to Great, where he talks about a flywheel in a business. So it's the same in family. You know, there's the idea in, in business about compounding interest, right? You have money, you leave it in there, you make money off of it, then you keep making more and more money and it gets more and more. If you look at other resources, such as your social relationships, to your point with your family, everyone wants a good family. But in our, in Western, especially in the US, a lot of people have kind of taken their eye off the ball and they, they don't realize that their social relationships are a resource. They just focus on the financial resources. And then they become a doctor and they work their butt off and they get a divorce and their kids hate them. That doesn't sound like wealth. Having a lot of money is not just wealthy. You know, you can't say, well, I'm a billionaire and everyone hates me. <laughs> no one likes to be around me. That is not wealthy in my mind. So what we're looking at is instead of just focusing on the finances and just in a business, it's the same. If I just focus on a product, 
then, and I don't focus on marketing and sales, which are our social relationships and PR, my company's not going to do well. So that's where I think if you overlay the family, you go, well, who used to do a lot of that in, in the U.S. society? A lot of the that connecting my mom did, the women in our society used to do, right? Because the women would invest for social resources and they would invest in the children, the human resources. And a lot of times the husband would spend a lot of his time investing for the financial resources of the family. And if done correctly, that creates a flywheel. It creates a synergy, just like in a business, you would never want to be like, I want to, let's do a company. We both want to be the sales guy. Well, someone needs to make the product. We need complementary people in a business. And yet for some reason in a family, we think it'll be so great if I marry someone just like me. Well, who's going to do the all the other work? So what I see is this, and the story of uh, Melinda Gates, I think illustrates this amazingly, Bill Gates' mother. You know, she got married to her husband who was a lawyer. She taught school. She had three children. And then she kind of dropped out of teaching, focused on her family, started to do uh, social resource, what I call investing, because she started to work at United Way. And that's actually how the connection for Bill Gates was to IBM. It was through his mother, Melinda Gates. And you look at that connection that I don't know what that would have been. If he hadn't had it, maybe he wouldn't have made his hundreds, multiple billions of dollars. So if you look at that, his family, his dad was a lawyer making good money as an entrepreneur. The mom was taking care of the family and investing in the social connections. And Bill Gates reaped massive rewards because of that combination in the family. And I think that's what we all want as parents for our children, that type of success. Right, right. Then why, where did we all go wrong? Either in terms of our family setup or in businesses earlier, as you said, different people were doing their roles so well. And there was a, a, a synergy there was this flywheel which was leading to a success for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. but, you know, but then people said, okay, there has to be more equality. And then there was a distorted version of equality by many people. And then in terms of that, what happened was that they said, because the husband holds that financial power, so he is ruling over you people. And then there was a different sort of a communication. How would you look at that? Secondly, in businesses. Now, when the firing, when the person who is making the good product, sometimes he comes the first in the firing line. The person who is run, run, uh, running things in the background, he is the first to come into the firing line. And even if it is not a very good person who is bringing in business, but he, stay, he or she stays. Why? Because they are perceived to be bringing the most amount of value. If the foundations of a building is not cared for, you have a very bad structure. It does not last long. So how do you look at both these aspects of families and businesses, which we have ourselves perhaps collectively, you know, work towards weakening? How do you look at that? Am I right in this? I am. Is my way of looking at these things? How do how? What is your view on that? How can we correct it both in terms of families and businesses and bring them together again, leading to success, happiness, wealth, and everything, even self-actualization, if possible for everyone. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's really, if you look at businesses, it's a, it's a, it's almost a trope at this point. Well, the sales team doesn't like the product team, right? The product team doesn't like the sales team because the sales team, like I'm bringing in all the money. 
And the product team's like, well, I'm actually the one building the product. So there's this lack of appreciation for what the other person in a company is bringing to the table. And then you get friction. I've had businesses that I've been involved with where people have become so, um, so convinced that they're right, that they literally attack the other departments because they're saying, well, I'm most valuable. You should tell, tell this isn't good. Those type of things are very, very easy. If you lose sight of the contribution that the other team is making, right? I mean, there's so many people in a company and it's just, and I see, so if we look at a family in that same lens, I think essentially what's happened in our society because of certain cultural transitions is they've, we've thought that now financial value is the only thing of value, right? Just like in a business Well, I'm a sales guy, these guys are the most important screw all the developers. If you have your best developers all quit, you are screwed, right? Just as if you have your best sales guys fit. And I think this over in the family, we focus so much on money. And then we look in, I mean, I've looked at some of the, the marriage statistics in the US, it's it's 50%-ish, you know, a little better in terms of survival, you know, divorce rates really high. India tends to have a much better um, marriage rate and staying sticking together. I think that's because they haven't lost the synergies as much. But in the US, we keep we're kind of pushing all people into, hey, you got to make money. That's that's the definition of success. And if you look at our cultures right now, certain cultures have gone there too. Hey, we just value that. And I've listened to a lot of, of podcasts lately where we talk about if you only focus on that part of making money, then you have the problem with South Korea. Then you have the problem, you know, with a lot of these countries that don't have any children. Well, you, 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 you know, just in a business, if you were like, Hey, we're growing and growing, but we're going to neglect product. Well, now we can't, we're screwed right? We're, we're just going to have to go out of business. We're going to have to do something because we've so under neglected and that or so neglected that area. So to me, this is the, the thing that people in business often see, like you need to build a product first before you sell it, you know, not that far ahead. You know, they talk about MVPs and that type of thing. But then once you, once you build it, then you need to start selling it. And then you need to talk to the customers and get those relationships. And this is this flywheel effect of things going in a circle. Now, when we get those, now we, I was at a, a startup when I started, we have about 20 people about three years ago, and we started about 20 people within two, three years, we had 180, right? This is that flywheel effect because we made money. Then we traded our money to hire people so we could have more human resources, more of their abilities. Then we took those abilities and we made more money Then we could hire more people. This is the flywheel effect that we see in business. And if you see it in families, if everyone's just, I don't want to have any children. What are we, what's our goals? What's our purpose? Like that's a major part of all businesses. What is our strategy and why is it, what is our mission for existing? And so many people I think now are, are in their families, they're kind of saying, well, what is the purpose of my family? If we're not going to have a, kids or if we're not going to, you know, we're only going to have one kid. What do we, what are the roles and responsibilities? So I think it's, it's really kind of looking at the family through this lens of, we, yes, if you are working and you're bringing money into the family, that is valuable. But if you're taking care, just as in the business, the human resource department, it takes care of the employees. It helps them with their insurance. It helps them deal with sicknesses. You know, it helps them deal with all these problems. That's what we used to have. A lot of the times the mother's role in the home would be to help even the husband. My wife would make appointments for me. My wife and I actually run a business together. So there's times when she was doing teaching her dance stuff and then I would be making meals. It was very much like a startup where 
we're just going to do what we need. And I think a lot of people have got into this mode of, well, I make money, therefore I'm important. And I think that's been pushed a lot through, you know, just different cultural uh, lenses. Some of it could say feminism, you know, some of it could be power. Some of it could be to your point, like men have treated some women very poorly because you're just a homemaker. Yeah, but you're literally, I mean, this is the funny thing. Women are the only people who can actually make children, which is the number one thing we need in our family and society. A guy can't do that. So I just don't think we've appreciated, we've kind of lost sight of these social resources of a family and human resources of a family. Does that make, right. does that make sense? That's your of question. Course, of course, it does make a lot of sense. And let's make more sense out of this because we talk about that leadership now. You, who is the in the present situation about nuclear families when almost everybody is equal? Who is the leader? Even in companies, who is the leader? Because you have got CEOs, you've got CXOs, and then you have got the you have got the promoters, sometimes co-founders, founders, several promoters, then there is the board, and then there is nobody. When the crisis is there, there is nobody. In when there is no crisis, everybody becomes a thought leader. You ask them talking on different <clears throat> platforms. When there is a crisis, they said nowadays it's a culture, it's a fashion. They say, Oh, we were wrong. You know, because in COVID we expected certain amount of business to come. It did not happen. But listen, we are not the only fools, the whole world was fool, and so let's have go for layoffs. What is the role of leadership <clears throat> who can make or create that flywheel? in the best manner possible, both in terms of businesses as well as families. Where do they break that in? Well, so let's look, yeah, to your point, if you look at a leader in a business, I think a lot of people, for funny reasons, have got this idea that the CEO, he just gets to do whatever the freak he wants. He doesn't have to report to anyone. He can piss off his whole executive team and they'll, everyone will be fine with it. And the reality is, if you are the CEO, you have a board of directors, and if you piss off the board of directors, make them angry, then they'll replace you. And if you don't get results, they'll replace you. And then the same is true with your executive team. If your executive team all thinks you're incompetent as a CEO, you're going to get replaced too. So there's not this thing of absolute power. I think people have equated the business uh, that we have, the business model with this CEO as the leader, as the head, as kind of this a dictator kind of thing in a country. But if you really look at it, there's not really, I mean, you see CEOs get replaced all the times you see them leave. So, you know, you saw that with Disney just recently replaced their CEO with an old one. The guy was only there for two years. And then the board said, Hey, we're, you're not getting the results we want. You're out. You're so, not you are not entertaining us enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so that's the type of thing when you look at a leader and you're saying, it's not about being a dictator. And so if you remove this idea leading, it's more what direction are we trying to go as the family? And I think a lot of people in our society are looking for a leader to follow, right? They want purpose in their life. They want to be building a company or working towards something in the company that makes, makes, uh, has meaning to them. I worked at ancestry.com, which is the family history site. And their mission when I was there was connecting families across distance and time. And that was a, a very noble goal. It, it spoke to me. It spoke to a lot of the employees at our company who did love genealogy. And so you need to have that um, mission, that mission set up so that people can have an identity 
and have a purpose. So, so if you look at in the, now let's take that back to the family, just as in a family, especially with the divorces, the way they're at, like there is no leader who gets to do- control and dominate. And so, but someone needs to make final decisions. Someone needs to do that. And so it's really a matter of figuring out what works for you, how that works. It, it often is the case that women want a guy who is decisive. They want to marry a guy who's decisive. They want to marry a guy. You know, if I said, if I was dating a woman and I said, yeah, I don't know where I'm going in life. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go here. I don't know. Maybe I'll be a surfer. Most women would be like, I don't like that guy. He doesn't know where he's going. I'm not going to invest in him. I'm not going to marry him. And so it's the same in the family. I think most guys are like, here's what I want to do. Here's my, I feel I have this purpose in life. And I think for a lot of women, they're like, that is awesome. Because most, a lot of women I've seen their, their goals are like, I want to have a good family. I want to have good relationships. I want to have a good community. It's a little bit less about where they want to go and a little bit more about the feeling of that. And so I think if you look at who's going to lead, someone needs to lead. And if you kind of just wishy-wash, then I don't think, you know, if you're, I talk about in dating, it's kind of like trying to hire someone to your company and you don't sit there like, well, we are company, we do some stuff, but I don't know, you know, you're like, Hey, here's what I, here's where I'm going. Here's why you'd want to join our company. And that's where you get in dating. It's like, why would you want to join me on this journey of life that we're going to take together? Why would you want that? Well, if you're gonna, if you're well off, if you're doing certain things, then the then the woman or the man, same thing. If a woman was saying to me like, "I want to go be a CEO," I don't, I don't, I don't really value that. I want someone who's going to take care of the house and have children. That was what was important to me. That's not for everyone. So that's where I think the leadership uh, needs to be done together. But then at the end of the day, you know, my wife and I had an opportunity to go work for Intel up in Portland when I graduated with my MBA, or we had the opportunity to open a dance studio and kind of have a business. And because of my reading of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I said, I want assets. I don't want to just keep following jobs. So we did that. It definitely had some struggles in our family, but we both did it together. But I've talked to my wife and she said, you know, if you didn't want to do that, I wouldn't have done it. Because to her, it was more important, the family and the feeling, that's the environment she wanted. It wasn't, does we do have a business? Do we own real estate? You know, those things, a lot of times the men tend to care about more. Like I say, it's a generalization. It can be different, but that's where men tend to care about more the resources, uh, the financial side, and the women much more care about the family, the social, the connectedness, living close to their family is often quite important as well. So, yeah. so, so that's the type of stuff where I don't, I think leadership comes down to, you know, you have to, you don't just lead someone like, Hey, we're going over here. And then they're like, screw you. I'm out. Right. If you t- said to your wife, like, hey, we're moving to the Ukraine. I want to go fight that war. My wife would be like, <laughs> later, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're probably going to get a divorce. And I don't know how what's supposed to happen. So that's where I could say I'm the leader. But that doesn't mean I'm the dictator. And I think it's the same in a business. Just because you're the CEO, you can't be the dictator. You have to look at people, talk with your product people, talk with your salespeople figure out what the different problems are in the business. And then every time I've done that, then you, we determine a direction, then we can talk why we chose it. And often it comes down to the feedback we got from those people. So I think leadership is more about aggregating feedback, understanding the story, creating the mission and the vision, and then people get behind it, right? So that's how I view leadership. Not It's not dictators. And oh, you did mention the board of directors. 
if you look at me as an individual, you as an individual, my biggest investors were my parents. They spent the most money on me. They spent the most time on me. I can never repay them. Repay them. So that to me is like, they are my investors. They're my board. They have, a, they have the biggest vested interest. If I got a divorce, they would stay with me. My in-laws, they would separate most likely. So that's the type of thing where you do have a board and you should be looking at keeping your in-laws happy. And they are your investors and they're probably thinking further out and they've probably seen more. They're like, hey, you're, you know, you're doing this with your kids. I'm a little concerned about how you're raising them, how you're teaching them, those type of things. You're not spending enough time with them. All of those things, just as in a, if you're in a CEO, you listen to the board. That doesn't mean you have to say, do exactly what they say. It just means you take that feedback and you go, these people have the best interest of my family in mind, of my company in mind. What should I do about that? And if you're just like, you're an idiot, you're screwed then they're going to, it's going to become confrontational as a board. And then all of a sudden the CEO will probably have problems. There'll be a lot of friction. But if you just say, Hey, I understand your feedback. Here's what I think I'm going to do. Most of the time they're like, Oh, okay. That sounds like a good plan or, well, we'll see, but it's not this dictators. It's much more about managing your relationships. I think Does that answer right. the question. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now let's look, you, we talked about the bigger companies, the board of directors and all that stuff. You work with a lot of startups and small businesses. And families are also very small. Now mm -hmm. it's just two people. A lot of business owners are young people. Entrepreneurs, startups, even small businesses. Families in the also have become just the two people. They have just started their life together or planning to lay, decide to, life, uh, to go for living together or married life together. How do they bring that sense of trust to get the best out of themselves. Because, again, in a small business, entrepreneurship or a startup, one or two person, they, they're the buck stops with them. The vision, the implementation, everything, even the, everything stops with them. They don't have that big team. And everybody looks at up to them. And at that point in time, you are so obsessed with the idea of your service or product, you just want to keep it very, very, you know, close to yourself. Many a times you are scared. Many a times you are not even listening to any, anybody who is putting up money because you don't want to, you know, uh, uh, change your idea or product. But that's a different story. How do they still then are able to lead their team, keep their team together and lead towards happiness and success? What is the way? How what would you tell them? Secondly, in terms of families. Now, if there is a dating game happening or even the relationship game that happens to a certain extent, many a time the feeling is, listen, this guy is going out to work, but that thing is not there sometimes even in people staying at home that this is going to do the financial part of it and he's not going to have fun outside. Many a times it happens, okay, this guy is going out and maybe... You know, he'll just have a lot of fun, go out with friends. He may be doing nothing at office, but that's it. That's, that trust sometimes does not happen. Even the guy many a time nowadays I see is that, okay, she has, she's doing nothing. She's at home. She, what, what else she, will she do? Now, sometimes when you have this sort of feelings, how do you build up that trust to actually make sure that you are creating a flywheel for both of you? 
look at from that world from a uh, minute level for the minute uh, sort of a business and uh, families. Yeah, well, so in a in a business, let's start there as an entrepreneur. You start out if you had a partner, right? If we if we started out and I said I'm going to work 80 hours a week, and you said you're only going to work 40 hours a week, we're we're already going to have a problem, right? So this is kind of if you look at when you start a business, the idea, frankly, is pretty much I'm going to put a hundred percent of my effort into this. I'll do whatever it takes. I had a friend who. He was, when he was starting the business, he's taking phone calls on Christmas Eve, right? To support these people, to support his customers. Like there's a whole, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And if your idea going into the business is, yeah, yeah, I kind of want to do it, but I'm, it's just, if it does well early on and it's stuff that doesn't, it's easy. And it just, if it makes a lot of money and it, if you start with that mentality in a business, it's going to be horrible, Right. There's there's never businesses, especially startups, are all about trying to learn about what the customers want. How, where is the money? Where are the relationships we can build? I mean, it's it's a total difficult problem you're dealing with. And even though you may say it's your like, I know this product. I love this product. That doesn't mean that customers understand it, that your messaging is going to be right. At some points, the difficulty may be building the product and you need to have every, you know, the mostly focused on there. I call it like, where's the biggest fire in the company, right? And then at another time, it may be, we've got to get a sales and marketing team. These are things that I went through just recently with this last company. You know, we started out, we had no one in sales. And then we were like, then we built out the sales team to be bigger. And then we were like, now we need a customer support team. So it's really kind of the flexibility in a business, especially as an entrepreneur. If you disconnect from reality as an entrepreneur, um, and there's, a, there's some books like The Right It, um, was one of the good books. Like, how do I get information quickly back? Because sometimes if you're an entrepreneur and you just go with your gut, it works out if you're, you know the market really well. But if you just go with your gut and you don't know the market, you can spend years just wasting your life, essentially. So a lot of it's getting the feedback from the market and then adjusting your strategy. Do we need to charge higher prices, less price? Do we need to change? There's so many things you're trying to figure out. We're not you know, we're not Google like, hey, we just are selling search and we have ads and that's how we make our money. The business model's already decided. In the company, you know, there's a lot of companies. Um, there's a funny example of a guy who tried to start a gaming company. He failed and then he went back to the venture capitalists and they said, hey, give us the money back. Or they didn't say give it. He said, here's your money back to the VCs. They said, no, we don't want it back. You figure it out. He ended up selling that company to Yahoo and tweaking the con. Uh, tweaking it and made, sold it to Yahoo for, it was called Flickr. Then that same right. guy, he wanted to make another game and tried to make the game. People played it, but it wasn't making enough money. He said, I'm done. They said, whatever. And he ended up making Slack, which sold for billions of dollars. So he his mission, you know, and you see this in business a lot. I don't know about your career, AJ. Mine has been a little bit <laughs> windy. You know, like, I never thought I'd be here. Same, same, same also, same here. Uh, I don't not, not so, too different, maybe different lines, but not, not too different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me personally, I started in mechanical engineering. I liked it. It was really fun. But then I worked at a company and I found out a great engineer and crappy business people makes for a failed company. So then I'm like, I want to figure out the business side. So then I switched to an MBA and then I was like, well, I'm going to do the MBA route, but then I'm like, wait, I want to do the business owner. So much of my life has been taking advantage of opportunities in the business world. We call those pivots right? You pivot from one thing. And so if you don't have the flexibility to look at it and say, wow, 
how do I take advantage of this new opportunity? Especially if you're a technologist, you know, learner person, it just isn't going to work out for you. So I think it's the same. So if you look at that in the small business, if you're not in there a hundred percent and you're not in there, you know, through all the thick and thin and just like, I'm going to make this work and I need to learn and follow the customers, then you're not going to have a good business. You're, especially if I'm that way and then, or you're that way. And then I'm a lazy, like oh, I put in my 40 hours. Now I'm going to the beach and you're like, screw you. Like we're going to separate as founders. But if we get us together where we both are working our butts off, then we're going to be, we're going to have a freaking amazing time. And that's, those are businesses that are so fun, but some of them are so fun because they were so painful. <laughs> you know, like right. the struggle is what makes it fun because of the learnings. So now if we take that onto the family, you know, if you were to marry someone and you said, or you're dating someone actually, and you said, you know, I want to, I want to become this world cast, you know, world-class podcaster. And she's like, well, I want to become this executive in New York. And you're like, well, maybe that can work. How do you know, but who's going to have kids? Do you care about that? You know, it's all about figuring out what, what business are we going into? You know, going back to the business, if I said, I want to start a legal company and you said, I want to start a podcast company, I'm like, this just doesn't work. We shouldn't go into business together. And I think we have a lot of people when they're dating, it's most of the apps are, is she hot? Is she hot? You know, no one, they're not looking, men aren't looking at specifically like at much else. And the women are going, is he hot? Is he, you know, like imagine if we did interviews in companies based on your attractiveness. Oh, we hired this guy and look how hot he is, but he's a horrible developer. It, it would make, right? So it's the same in family, but we haven't had the same focus on, well, what am I looking for? You know, if you look at Donald Trump, he was already a billionaire when he was trying to get married. He needed a much different, you know, he needed a wife who was more of a socialite, could handle herself, was very attractive, those type of things. He needed a very different wife than I did. I needed someone who was going to, be in the trenches. My wife and I remodeled our home together. We worked on the business together. You know, we're constantly doing that type of stuff. So it's, are you, do you have a same, you know, if you have to kind of come up with a mission and then are we both on the same page? And most of the friction in a company comes down when it comes to, comes out when you have friction in where should we go? What should we do? I want to take the million dollars and invest in a TV ad. You want to take the million dollars and hire a developer. That's the friction because it's, why are we choosing these different models? And it's the same way in a, in a marriage. Should we invest in a $20,000 vacation? Wouldn't that be amazing? Or should we go invest in, you know, you know, a new house? Or should we invest in expanding our house? All of those things are the difficulty that most marriages have, which are around what, how are we going to utilize our resources? And, and going back to it, you know, if I'm sitting there saying, I really want to, you know, become a great entrepreneur. I want to really work this way. Then you got to get a wife who's going to support that. My, my good friend, wife, good friend's wife. He had, she was amazing. He ended up not paying his mortgage for six, six months, doing all these things. He was in foreclosure. He was just like, at one point their electricity got cut off. There's a lot of women who just frankly can't endure that. Right. They may have come from a, a doctor, you know, they, they grew up with a doctor as their dad, and they're just used to this consistency. Well, if, if you're looking for the consistency of a doctor, don't marry an entrepreneur. You know, like if you, right. So, so those are the things where I think 
we need to, if we just spend a little bit of time kind of putting together a job description, what, what am I looking for? And it's not just, she's hot. It's, <laughs> it's not just, he makes a lot of money either. You know, a lot of times women will, oh, he made a lot of money, yeah, but you guys weren't going in the same direction. Then you get divorced. I mean, I even say this in the book. If you look at Bill Gates, you know, he's divorced now. That's for me that I don't, that's not one of my priorities. So I invest a lot more time into my relationship with my wife because I don't want that outcome. I can't say what he did or didn't do. Um, but that just wouldn't work for me. Same with Elon Musk. You know, he's got, I think, 10 children with four different women. He, you know, he works a hundred hours a week. The guy is amazing. I can't say anything like he is the, he can do more with money than anyone else on the planet from what I've seen. Yeah. And but, beyond this planet. Yeah. But beyond that, do I want that lifestyle? I don't think that's me. I'm not Elon Musk in terms of my ability to work a hundred hours and just crush it all the time. And I'd also don't want to have a place where, you know, I don't live with my children. I don't have time to spend with my family because that to me is very important. So that to me comes, that's kind of like, what's your strategy? What structure are you looking for in your family? What's your culture? What do you value? You know, I think Elon values getting to Mars. That is the number, that is his mission. And I, I, it'd be interesting. I think he'd have an interesting place when he gets there. He'd be like, holy cow, now what do I do? <laughs> Just like, right. right. So that's the type of stuff where to be married to someone like Elon Musk and to deal with all that chaos and to not have him home and to take care. And I, that, that would be very difficult. And that's kind of what I think you've seen in his relationships. They're not bad. It's just with his mission, certain women. And frankly, I don't know that marriage, he even wants the marriage thing. He just is like, no, my priority is not marriage. It's not family. He wants children, but my priority is getting to Mars. So, so that's where I see this. Like it's just, that's again, going down to the business model. How are you thinking about where you're going? Are you compelled to do that? I mean, my wife and I, at one point, we had we, we invested in the stock market in 2000, or not in the stock market, in the housing market in 2007. In the US, the whole thing blew up. I ended up losing a lot of money in that. And my wife and I ended up having another quarter of a million dollars in debt. And we just said, we hate this feeling of uncertainty. We don't like the peace. I want to be more entrepreneurial. I want to take big risks. So we paid off like three hundred and fifty or four hundred thousand dollars in the course of about seven years because that was the priority. We didn't redo our house. We didn't invest in the home. We did. It was this is our priority. We were in it together, and that's what made our. I think has made my marriage strong. Is we were both in it. It wasn't me saying we have to do this because here's the life I want. And my wife saying, but I don't want that. I want to have a nicer home. It was both of us on the same page. So that to me is a very, it's just very important to keep on the same page in terms of what your priorities are. And if your priorities are, I want to look good to my friends. I want to have a big house. I want to live. I want to have a yacht. I want to go on vacations every year. That's probably going to conflict with that. That would have conflicted with my priorities. Right, absolutely. Everybody wants peace of their mind, peace, uh, you know, peace in life, but they don't work towards it. And mm -hmm. that's that's the difference. Perhaps some people see it early on, some people realize it later on, and perhaps with regrets. Not talking of, you know, small businesses, there have been many small businesses which became big. And especially I'm talking about the boomer, baby boomer generation or boomer generation, especially in the US. Uh, I don't, a big wealth transfer, 
the largest in the US history or even the world is right way underway in the US. A lot of businesses that are, you know, there, but the next generation is not ready. But the and and the and the boomer generation do not have the time. And if the new generation doesn't take it over, then they will all close. And it's all about trillions and trillions of dollars. What went wrong for them? Why were they not able? They were able to build business, but they were not able to build the mindset or a family who could not only take care of it, but also take it forward. How do you see this? Well, if, if you look at, so let's start with the business side. If I said, I'm going to give you a McDonald's, but I'm not going to teach you how to hire people. I'm not going to give you all the processes. I'm not going to give you all of the strategy stuff involved, tell you how much we spend on branding. I'm not going to tell you the type of people, the culture you need to have. What would happen is I, I don't give you any of the money, right? I just get, I, I just, I, well, I give you the money. I give you the building, whatever. What's going to happen is you're pretty much in a short order going to waste all your money. All your customers are going to get irritated because your service will suck because the food won't be good and you'll lose everything because you don't have the business model. You don't have that structure, strategy, culture, right? And that, so if you look in the business, if I were to say to you, well, I'll give you all the resources of McDonald's, but I won't give you the business model. You're like, but that's the engine that generates the resources. And that's been the problem. If you, and I talk about this in the book, there was a woman who her dad, her dad died unexpectedly. And she ended up getting about $20 million from his insurance policy. So she was 18. She's, you know, she's now on her fourth marriage, fourth or fifth marriage, I guess. She's bought and sold companies and ruined companies because she doesn't know, have a business model of what to do with the resources. So this has been, in my opinion, the biggest neglect. We have all these fathers and I think the dads have been so concerned about, in, in the older generation, so concerned with generating money for the family, and in some cases, the mom as well. Well, who's been training the children on the business model? No one. Who's been pushing the culture? Who's been reinforcing the values of hard work, the values of delayed gratification, those type, the values of continuous learning that most likely were the engine that actually created all this wealth that's going to be transferred, right? So that's really, they, we've lost all the culture. I think India, my, my reading of India has been, India has been much better at pushing back on this, you know, money only. And it's more like, no, no, there's other elements. There's the family, there's our culture. We're not just going to burn everything to the ground just for the money's sake. But in the U.S., I mean, there's a lot of places where people don't even know their neighbors. They don't go to church. They don't have a religion. They, and frankly, with COVID, they just ended up staying home and being lonely. And if you look at us, we're social creatures. We need social interaction. We need to um, have people we're solving problems with and helping people with. We're serving. That, to me, is the big place that we've lost in, in the Western culture. I think we're getting it a little back where people are like, I don't want to commute as far. I don't want to do these, which is a little bit. I mean, I think from the boomer side, they're like, you don't want to work hard. You're not willing to put in the effort. But I mean, I worked in Silicon Valley at one point and had an hour and a half commute one way. So I spent three hours in the car every day for a summer. And then I was like, I don't want to live here. I don't want this life. This is not what I want for myself and my family. 
but making that sacrifice, had I done that, I wouldn't have been able to spend time with my children to invest in their, help them with the business model. I mean, if you look at how do you teach someone the value of hard work? How do you teach someone the value of overcoming things? For me personally, I, I've taken my kids snow skiing. Sadly, my daughter just broke her leg doing it, but she was a great skier and she just had an issue. But snow skiing is a, you know, those activities where I can't do it for you. So then they have to overcome their fear and then they get good at it. And then they're like, oh, now I'll go to the harder slopes. Now I'll get good at it. They're, you're teaching them. You could call it the hero's journey. That's one way of putting it. You're teaching them how overcoming, you're teaching them confidence in themselves, but not so much just confidence. You're teaching them confidence in the process. So that to me is the side where if you don't invest in that cultural element in teaching your kids delayed gratification, because, well, I have so much money, I'm just going to give them whatever they ask for. Well, freak, that's not what you had. You know, when I was young, I had to work for, I cleaned toilets. I did a whole bunch of dishes at this place because I wanted all these things. And so if we give our kids stuff, like just think of a business. If I said, I will pay you if you do nothing, you know, and they kind of did that with COVID frankly, but there's no, I can't double down and do twice as much nothing. And then you pay me twice, twice as much. And that's what essentially we've done with our kids. Well, if I do nothing and I just leverage my social relationships, my social resources, then I'll get money. Well, that, you know, we taught them that by neglecting them, by throwing money at them instead of spending our time with them. Right. So I've spent, I mean, I, I took my kids, taught them how to scuba dive. It was the same thing. I didn't want them to be, you know, I think it's super important that you can scuba dive and just love that. It was more, I want you to go through that fear of doing that. And then you overcome it. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I do have this different sense of myself. So I did scuba diving. I had activities specifically designed to teach my children the family culture. I also spent time, and my wife did as well, reading books with our children, talking at the dinner table with our children, talking, um, you know, every every Sunday we have, we would go to church and we would talk about things afterwards and read some of the Bible, you know, like, hey, what are they talking about? What are the principles here? You know, how do they, how do we deal with this complexity? So if you start to look at it, in fact, I kind of think this whole generation of everyone needs therapy. I don't know if how it is in India, but. No, in, I, I get it. I get it. And everywhere, this whole mental health is such a big issue and everybody's talking about it. Somehow, I wonder where this is all coming from, because very rarely people are looking within that I could also be adding to the problem and not being a part of the solution like you you gave freedom to your children to you know to even to your daughter to try things out on even if it can but many people do not want their children they are fearful that their children may fail they don't want them to go through those so-called hardships they think okay i've worked enough in my life so my children should not just just sit, sit pretty take over the businesses take over everything and not learn many people nowadays i see are even they don't know how to learn it's difficult for them to learn but they want to learn about all the apps all the gadgets that is fine in one way or the other but you should also know how to fall and pick yourself up that's the way i see it over to you yeah i know i completely agree i look at it as what we need to, what we we somehow lost was contribution right a lot of our some of it was a more a function of i mean when my grandma was 
was was a mother. She had to wash the clothes, make the clothes, literally, you know, make the 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 cheese, make those different things. Now, I think it's a little harder where we don't have to do that much work. So it's not like we have the same amount of work we're doing. So it's like, well, I can just go to McDonald's, pick it up. Okay, well, I didn't really see my mom do any work here. And then I throw the laundry in like I don't have that much work. But the focus to me should be on contribution just as in a company. Like, I don't really care. You know, if you work 100 hours, but it's just on stupid stuff in a company, I'm like, can, you need to get more effective on what you're doing. You're doing the wrong thing. I love your energy. Uh, I just don't think it's in the right area. I had one woman, I actually told her that she was so driven. I told her she would chop down a forest with a dull axe. Whereas for me, I'm like, I go buy a chainsaw. Right. I would stop, take the time to figure out the right solution. But she just right. has that drive, which is super useful, but can be tempered a little bit with learning. And so in the family, I think it's more a focus on how are we helping our children contribute to the family, contribute to society, because that's frankly what gives us meaning. You know, there's a book called Escaping the Endless Adolescence, where they talk about the biggest problem our children have is that really nothing they do matters to a large degree. Go write a paper that no one really wants to read. And it's not, no one wants that paper. Go do math problems that are no one needs to do. That's just for you to learn. And then we, we protect them, to your point. We protect them from all these outside things. Well, I don't want you to go to work because maybe you could get robbed. Maybe you could get killed. Maybe you could. And then what you have is these kids who literally look at their lives and think, no, my life doesn't matter to anyone. And, and in this, and that's why I think some of the cases where we end up with a lot of the mental health stuff, suicide and that type of stuff is because I'm not doing anything that matters. And I don't know about you, but that's one of the hardest places for me mentally is when I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm helping contributing. And that's where our children are. And if, and so instead of saying, well, I'm going to help my kids make their life easy. Don't, they don't want that. They actually I had a, my son would play video games when he was bored. And then he'd have a friend call up and say, Hey, you want to go bale hay, you know, get these big bales of hay and throw them. Cause we have horses. And he was like, yeah, I do. And they gave him a burrito in exchange, you know? So it's just, I think people at our deep down, we want to be useful. We want to be productive. We want to contribute. And if us, for us as parents, if we don't look for opportunities for our children to contribute, they never get that sensation of a job well done. They never get that feeling that of confidence and just like, I did this. I made the world better. This person, I helped and they appreciate it. And so I think if we focus on how do we help our children contribute to the family, contribute to society, you know, friendship groups and those type of things, and to our society broadly through jobs. I mean, some people will say, well, you're doing a job and you're getting paid for it. So it's not contribution. Bullcrap. I so am appreciative of the doctor who put my daughter's leg back together, even though I'm going to have to pay a lot of money for it, but I'm glad that he is doing that. And so that's, I think why we need to focus on getting our kids contributing to themselves, to their, to not just to themselves. There's actually a lot of data from men. They want to contribute to something bigger than themselves, not just, well, I can survive, but I want to have a purpose. And I think that men, when they get married, a lot of times I have a, a good friend, he got married, got his wife pregnant very early. And then he went from dropping, being a dropout in high school to working his butt off. 
working, waking up at 4 a.m. to do a paper route, then working to be an electrician, then working to do. And then he kept having kids and then he became good at real estate. Now he has he's you know, he's worth five to ten million dollars because of of that kind of pressure and responsibility that he took on. And I think a lot of people now want to be comfortable. You know, I want to be comfortable, especially men. Well, I just can play video games and that's hard work. Comfort doesn't make you happy. I think it actually makes you sad. You know, you, you, you sit in bed all day. You don't think, wow, I feel so great. You think what a waste of my time. <laughs> like I could have done something great. So that to me is, is what I think we need to focus on the contribution and helping our children contribute. Even if that's, you know, helping them, helping them learn how to make meals, helping them make meals for the family. Like there is, there's a whole confidence that comes when a child goes from nothing to helping make a meal to then being able to make a meal. And then when they leave the house, they're like, man, I so appreciate that I have the skills to do this. I mean, when I was 19, I, I, I moved to Russia for two years and it was, I needed all the skills of taking care of myself. Luckily, my mom, since she came from this farming background, was very diligent. You will contribute. I did the laundry in the whole house. I made the meals at a lot, for a lot of points. All of those skills were phenomenal. And so I think a lot of times we look at those jobs as those are the dumb jobs, but those are the ways we actually help our children because they are contributing at minimum to the family. They're learning the skills. And then when you get into, I mean, like even with my wife's business and I, there's some days, there's some times when I've done the shopping for the whole family and made most of the meals for the family just because that's what we needed that week. Right. And if I didn't have those abilities and I was like, sorry, I can't do that. Like, we'll just have to go eat out. Now we have to spend more money. So, so that's where I think focusing on the contribution in the family. I think if, if, if people understand the multiple different, like I talk about the financial resources, then there's the social resources of the family. Then there's the human resources, the abilities, the health and the time of the family. If, if the woman is investing and the husband is investing for those returns, it's a synergistic relationship and you're going to do really well. If you're not doing that, if you're saying, well, you need to, you need to make money and I need to make money and you need to do the cooking and I need to do the, it, it would be so stupid in a company. If you said, well, the marketing guys need to be the sales, you know, the sales and the sales guys need to do product. And you kept shuffling it around. You're like, why would you do that? They're not good at it. Sometimes you want to help them get a little look at it, but you don't want them to actually do it long-term. But I feel like our society is kind of pushed like, hey, men and women are the same. We, should, we shouldn't do roles and responsibilities like we do in a company. We should do 50-50. What? <laughs> That's a crappy, crappy company. And everyone sees that. But on the family side, we keep pushing that for some bizarre reason. Right, right. I don't have to think so well. And I don't think, you know, uh, anybody who could have put it so well, put business, family, relationships, parenting, all together in a nutshell. And I'm sure all this is there in the family flywheel, your book. Tell us about the book. Who is this book for? What they can expect out of this and where they can get this book? Secondly, how they can connect with you so that you can help them be the best version of themselves, either in family, in business or family business. Yeah. So, so if you look at the book, I mean, here's what it looks like, right? Just, just hold on. Let me, let me put a bigger you thing have it so that I can put it. Yeah. So that I can put it on the bigger window. Yeah. So that's so, the okay. book. 
Um, when you say who did I write it for? Can you show the book? Can you show the book, please? One second. Sorry, there we so go. that you know, so that people know exactly. Yes, now it's better. Yeah, perfect. So, who did I write it for? I, I, I think it's actually applicable to every family. I don't think there's any, even an individual, even if you don't want to get married, it still applies to you. Just like a basic business model, understanding the resources, understanding specialization, all those things still apply. So it applies to everyone. I think it's going to be more in the short term. I think it's people who are in business are going to go, oh, that totally makes sense. Before, I think there were a lot of men who didn't understand business and family and they didn't understand the relationships. They're like, I don't understand this family crap. I'm just going to invest in my business. And so I'm hoping it helps those guys, entrepreneurs, especially. I used to work with these, these guys who did roofs, roofing. And they were constantly, like, worked so hard. And then their relationships would have problems. I'm like, if you just manage it and you help your wife and yourself get on the same page, then it'll get there. So who's it for? It's for really all families. I mean, you could, if you want to look at it, if you understand the principles, it's good to use for dating. Before you start your family, who, what am I trying to do? What am I doing? Once you're in your family, it's good to say like, how are we together creating this great business model that's producing the results we want, where we have a shared vision and a shared mission, not two diverse missions and visions going in contradictory directions. So, and then if you're, I think the last one, if you're an older person to your point with all these people on the wealth transfer, I have a chapter on wealth transfer where it does talk about you should, how do you help your kids understand the business model, right? Don't give them, I mean, imagine if you, and there's actually cases like this woman I mentioned where you give your kids money and then they die of an overdose of drugs that they bought with the money. What is that not the worst thing as a parent to kill your own children with your success? And that I think is what people are, are kind of doing. So it's kind of all the life stages. I also mentioned, I, there's a section in there about understanding your brain like men and women's brains as we get older they change you know we're younger we didn't choose to go through puberty right yeah. i didn't hey you know it's time for me to go to puberty i didn't yeah. choose my, my wife had a lot of stuff with her when she had children when when men have children their brains actually change so there was a few books on that so it's like we're going through this journey and if we don't understand it where we are in that then we're going to have problems so i just think it can, it's applicable at all stages. If you started from the beginning, it would be optimal, but most kids are kind of, it's, it's hard to convince them sometimes of the wisdom that you've gained. So I think it's going to be a lot of people in the business kind of who are in business, men and women who are looking at it and saying, this isn't really working. It's not fulfilled. How do I get that? So, right. so, you know, so to connect with me, I have a I have a website called thefamilyflywheel.com. I'm on Facebook, Aaron K. Shelley. I'm on LinkedIn. Those are the main places that I'm currently at. Um, but yeah, I'd love to talk to anyone um, who needs help. That's really the, my whole thing. I kind of hit a place in life where the flywheel did really well. You know, a lot of those early learnings of pain put me in a good spot. Then I made some good investments. And now I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? And my whole thing at this point is with the book is how do I help families do be successful? I mean, I'm also, my, I have four children. They're, they're becoming adults. One's married. So it's this, how do I help them be successful? But I think that families are the pillars that hold our society up. And I feel very nervous as we see more and more families dissolving 
it just feels like, you know, watching the Coliseum and how many pillars can you knock out before the whole thing collapses? So that's really what I'm pushing towards is how do we make strong families that create success, wealth, happiness, to your point, even enlightenment, all of those things. That's a, that's my priority right now in life. Wonderful. Wonderful. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you.